So it's my turn this morning. We're talking about the Grinch, and it's not because I am a Grinch about Christmas. It's just that we're talking about it. And so we see in these clips here that the Who's absolutely love Christmas. They are the most positive, friendly, chirpy people. Uh, we've got to remember that the Grinch has lived around them for a long time, and so that they just keep on being happy and smiley and chirpy with him, even though he is the most miserable person on the face of the planet, absolutely hates Christmas, and because of how happy they are and how positive they are about the season, the Grinch decides that because he's miserable about the season, he's going to ruin their Christmas season for them too, as we'll see in this clip. And so his plan to destroy Christmas takes place. But instead of destroying Christmas, something happens which blows his brain, that they would still be able to be joyful in the occasion, even though he had tried to destroy it. What, what is it about the who's that made them so optimistic or made them so positive? And what is it that we can learn from them? Because we have had a year, haven't we, where I don't know about you, but I just refuse to watch the news anymore. I'm sick of the negativity. I'm sick of just all the negative stuff all the time. What, what can we do? How can we get that optimistic, positive attitude when things aren't going well? How can we respond? How can we have the same response as what they had when everything seems to have gone wrong, yet they're able to step up in the midst of a bad situation and make the most of it. They were able to take something good out of that bad situation. You see, optimism optimism is not about burying your head in the sand and pretending that things aren't around. It's about, do you have the confidence and belief that something good can happen? To have an assurance, a belief, there's going to be a positive outcome from a bad situation. And the thing is about this is that this isn't something that the who invented, this is actually something that God speaks to us about in Romans 8.28, one of the most popular verses that you'll hear mentioned in churches, yes? In Romans 8.28, it says, and as you know, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, really what the scripture is saying is that a negative situation still holds the potential for a positive purpose. And I don't know about you, but we've had a year of a lot of negativity. But I want to tell you something, that a negative situation still has the potential, according to Scripture, all things work together for good, potential for a good thing to happen in the middle of it. And we can live with a positive mindset that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. How do we stay positive? When we're in a bad situation, we understand that our loving God, no matter how the circumstance looks, is always working on our behalf for our good. So let me ask you a question. What, what do you think about? What, what tends to consume your thoughts? What do you tend to think about on a daily basis? Because here's the thing. What you think about generally controls your life. Your thoughts generally will control your life. Your life actually moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In Proverbs 23, it's put this way, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. 
In other words, the Bible says that your thoughts, your thinking, actually is what sets the course of your life. What you think about the most sets the course of your life. And you're like, is this just a... Is this one of their motivational messages? No, because the Bible says this also, that, that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are saved when you give your life to, life to God. God comes in and he saves you, but the transformation of your mind is something that happens as you walk with him and as your thought process starts to shift, as you start to think differently then all of a sudden transformation comes to your life. You don't think the same ways that you used to think before. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Oh, but I'm not like that. Well, you are, because your thoughts come from here. Are you with me this morning? Don't be quiet on me today. And so if you wake up every morning with a negative attitude and a negative perspective, and you read everything about your world through that lens about how hard things will be or how bad things are, you're, you're never going to get far because a negative outlook never leads to a positive life. A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. The quality of your life, I want you to hear this this morning, the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. What you think about sets the course of where you end up. And the problem with someone with a, with a negative mindset is when we get into this negative mindset about our lives and about our world, two things happen. It becomes personal to us and it becomes permanent to us. It becomes personal in that we start to think, oh, this is my fault, I'm bad, nothing ever goes my way, I'm not worthy of anything good, I made this mistake, you know, you, you made your mistake, you got to lie in it, you know, all that sort of stuff. We start to take it really personally, that this is my fault, this is why this is happening, I'm not a good person, I don't deserve anything good to happen to me. It becomes personal, and then it becomes permanent. You start talking this way, it's always going to be this way, we're always going to struggle, things are only going to get worse, and before long, we actually start to live the very real victim mentality mindset where we just think that everything's bad, nothing's ever going to go good, and you just become a victim of your own thinking, and we get caught in this trap of being a victim. You see... Being content in life, being satisfied in life, being blessed, being positive, it's not a state of circumstances, it's not a state of affairs, it's a state of mind. How great your life is, how good the situations are that you're going through, is not based on your circumstance, it's based on your mindset. It's based on how you think about those things when you go through it. Our thoughts will either drift towards faith in God or they're going to drift towards the negative. And so what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to feed our faith and starve our negativity. We have to learn to feed our faith and starve our negativity. How many people here this morning are like, that's awesome, Craig, but can, I'd like to know how to feed my faith. Is anybody here that'd like to know? Only, only two of you, cool. So the rest of you want negative mindsets. That's awesome, that's cool, that's, no worries. Um, well, I, I want to show you a little bit this morning what I would do. 
to get to my place where I could respond to a situation like the hoodoo with a really positive response. I want to kind of take you on a journey of how I would break down Romans 8.28 and the stuff around it and show you how I kind of take myself on a journey to get me out of this negative thinking and into a thinking that God is for me and God is with me. And so generally what I do is I take a scripture and I get and I get into that scripture, but I don't want to get into that scripture. You know, I, I, I want, it's not so much that I want to get into the scripture, it's that I want the scripture to get into me. There's a difference between reading the word and or letting the word get into you. You know, we, we can get up each morning, and I've done this before, and you pull out your Bible, you pull out your reading app, and you do the three chapters that it tells you to read, and then you tick a box and say, yep, I've done that this morning. That's called reading the Bible, but that's not letting the Bible read you. I, I don't want to read Scripture. I want the Scripture to get into me. And so as I start to think about Romans 8.28, I understand that Paul the Apostle, he wrote Romans 8. But I also realize, and this will blow your brains out when I say this, I also realize that Romans 8 comes after Romans 7. It's amazing, isn't it? And so for me to understand about Romans 8, I probably need to have a look at Romans 7. Because sometimes you've got to understand, if you want to understand what that is about, you've got to look at what came before it, yes? Are you with me? So I think about Romans 7, and the reality is, in Romans 7, Paul was an absolute mess which always makes me feel good, because if Paul can be a mess, then I can be a mess too. Yes? All right, don't be a mess. Paul's a mess, and in Romans 7, he's going on this kind of rant where he's kind of saying things like, you know, I don't understand myself, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I do uh, that I don't want to do, I do do. Why, why is this happening? Why do I do the things that I want to do? I end up doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do do. And he's, he's going on this massive kind of process where he's just like, I don't understand why I keep stuffing this up, and why is this such a mess for me? And then we come, and, the, and then in Romans 8, so he's coming from this place where he's just feeling absolutely like he's, he's messed up, he's in a real negative mindset about himself, And all of a sudden, he launches into Romans 8, and he does this shift, and what we see is he's he's almost talking himself out of his negative dysfunction into something positive. He starts off in Romans 8, verse 1, if you know the Bible at all, it says, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He's basically saying this, that if you're in Christ, there's no judgment for your sins. If you've given your life to him, you don't have to suffer the shame. You don't have to suffer the judgment. Your sins have been forgiven. It talks about in there, uh, in the first part of Romans 8, he starts talking about that people's minds, people that have minds on the flesh do things of the flesh, but people that have their mind on the things of the Spirit do things of the Spirit. So he's starting to take this transitional journey where he's going from this negative mindset about himself, where he's starting to preach to himself. I don't know about you, but every now and then I've got to grab myself, look in the mirror and preach to myself some days. Come on. Yeah. I've had to do that a lot this year, more than I ever thought I'd have to. He goes on and he says that, you know, if you're led by the Spirit, you're the children of God. Then if you're focusing on the Spirit, then your mind will be at peace. And he's basically telling himself, hey, 
hey, I've got to shift from this negative mindset, start thinking about things of the Spirit of God, because when I think about the things of the Spirit of God, then I have the mind of Christ, I have the peace of God. And then he goes in verse 18 and he says this, and I don't like this very much, but it says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present sufferings, in other words, he's saying all those things that we hate, all those things that we haven't liked, all those things that have been difficult, all those things that have been hard, all those things that we've had to endure, all those things that are painful are not worth comparing with what is about to be revealed in us. And so I think to myself, if Paul is saying that, how did Paul suffer? How did Paul suffer? Because I'm on a journey right now of, of helping myself get out of the mess that I was in, just like Paul. I understand that I'm forgiven, that my sins are forgiven. I understand that if I focus on the things of the Spirit, I'll have peace. I'm starting to get myself transitioning out of a negative mindset into a positive mindset. But then I hear that these present sufferings, they're awesome um, because the things that are about to come are so much better than that. And so I ask myself, how did Paul suffer? Because I don't know about you, but what I consider suffering to what you consider suffering might be different. Yeah? Your suffering, if you're young, might be that the internet is slow. That might be your present suffering. But Paul's present suffering was this. He was imprisoned multiple times. Five times he was beaten with 40 lashes of the whip. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. That is in stoned with stones, not stoned as in stoned. He was betrayed and the guy was left for dead at the side of the road. So this guy that has suffered beatings, that has suffered whippings, that has suffered shipwrecking, suffered being stoned, this guy turns around and he says, our present sufferings are nothing compared with the glory of what's about to be revealed in us. All of a sudden I start to shift in my thinking, and maybe my first world problems really aren't that big a problem after all. Maybe my issues aren't that big after all. I was having a little bit of a grumpy day yesterday because I was trying to put something together, and I had a little bit of a failure of my DIY skills, not a major one, I'll get that sorted out, and I was feeling a little bit down about my DIY skills, and, and then I went grocery shopping with Trinity, and during the grocery shopping, I bump into somebody that we know that is suffering with cancer and going through a whole lot of changes in the world. And I think to myself, your DIY skills are nothing compared to this person's present suffering. And Paul is saying here, man, I'm telling you that your present sufferings are nothing compared with the glory that is about to come. And I, and I can start to feed my faith with that. This present thing that I'm going through is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. What I'm going through right now, even though it might be painful, even though it might be enduring, even though my emotions might be playing around with me, even though I feel betrayed or hurt or whatever, these present sufferings are nothing compared to the greatness and the goodness and the stuff that is about to come. I start to understand that the struggle I'm in today is producing the strength for my season tomorrow. That out of the season of suffering, God is strengthening something in me for my tomorrow, for the next day, because I understand that nothing compares this present suffering, this tough stuff that I'm going through, nothing compares to the awesomeness that is about to come. But I've got to go through my present sufferings to get to my awesomeness. 
So I understand in the midst of that, rather than getting down and depleted and upset about what I'm going through, I can now start to, like Paul, go, oh, these sufferings, even though they might be hard, even though they might be difficult, man, I can't wait to see the glory that is to come because of my present suffering. It's not even worth comparing. The momentary trial, the momentary struggle is not even worth comparing, Paul says, to God's future blessings and glory that he revealed in us. I don't know about you, but I think we're in a year where we're going to start thinking about the pres- that what we're going through right now is nothing compared to the blessings and the glory and the great things that God wants to bring to our lives. We can't afford to be stuck in this negative mindset, this negative place where we fail to remember that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And accord according to his purpose. My present sufferings. And so, as I start to read that and I start to get that word into me, what starts to happen for me is this unwavering expectation starts to come upon me that our loving God is working in every situation for my future good. I may not like what's going on right now, but it's for my future good. You know, we have no problem doing that with our kids, do we? You may not like me right now, but you're going to thank me in the years to come. How many parents have ever said that? If you haven't got your hand up, I question your honesty this morning. I think it was about 24, 25 years of age where I was thankful for the sufferings that my parents put me through. And God is, you have to understand that God's working for our future good. See, we want God to work for our good right now in this moment. But God is like, no, no, all things work together. So sometimes our present sufferings we have to go through because it works for the future glory. And so I start to starve my fears with this and I start to feed my faith and I let God's word start to renew my mind because my life is always moving in the directions of my strongest thoughts. Romans 8, 26, he goes on, he says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. This starts to encourage me because this COVID season that we've gone through this year, I'll tell you the truth, when it first hit, I felt completely and totally incapable. When that first lockdown came along, I, I am not a production person. Thank the Lord for Dave Morgan and Peter, who have made our online stuff happen, because I had no idea how to make that work. Maybe we could give them a clap if you're thankful as well. But I I felt completely incapable in that season. How do I leave a church for a lockdown? And it's not like I could ring someone else and go, hey man, when you guys went for a lockdown 10 years ago, what did you do? No one's been through that. And then I've got this whole thing, what do I preach about? Like, what do I say? And then all these people are preaching about faith over fear, and I feel like God says, I don't want you to do that, I want you to do a series on parenting, and I'm like, and I'm feeling really incapable, I'm feeling really like, what do I do? And I have to stop and I have to tell myself, I have to speak to myself. He will never leave me or forsake me. 
When I am weak, he is strong. When I am broken, his spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells within me. And I start to feed my faith saying, you know what? I, I, I can pray and I can hear his voice and I can obey. Because that's all that Christianity is about. It's like hearing and obeying. And so through the season, God, I feel completely and totally incapable, but I'm going to pray and what I hear you say, I'm going to obey. That's all I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else. And I know that you're going to be with me and I know that you're not going to leave me. And even though I feel weak, even though I may feel overwhelmed, even though I may feel discouraged, the Bible says that God helps those who need help. No matter how you feel today, no matter what you've gone through this year, no matter how discouraged you feel, no matter how disappointed you feel in this year, God helps those that need help. He is not a distant God. He is not too far away that He cannot reach you. He is the one who walks alongside. He is with you always. He helps those that are broken. He helps those that are crying out to Him. He helps you when you're weak. When you're hurting, He's your comforter. When you're confused, He's your guide. When you're discouraged, He's our hope. When you're anxious, He's our peace. When you're weak, God is our strength. And so I start to feed my faith, and I starve my fears. And then through all of that, I now get to Romans 8, 28, and I hear, my God works all things together for good for those who love them and accord according to His purpose. And because I fed my faith, that's not a negative scripture for me anymore. It's like, hey, there's a good situation coming out of this tough time. There's a positive thing coming out of this. For those who love him and accord according to his purpose. God is that good and God is that involved in your life. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. I don't always see him, but I know he's there. I may not always see him in my circumstances, but I know he's in the middle of my situation. Then what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. He's always there. He's always good. He's always for you. And he is always with you. See, some people would say this, you know what? Just lower your expectations and then you won't be disappointed. Lower your expectations and then you won't be disappointed. I'm here to tell you this morning, you need to raise your expectations in the goodness, and the faithfulness, and in the power of God. Raise your expectations. Our God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to His power that's at work in me. Come on, we need to lift our expectations. Some of you have just slumped into 2020 as the year that just needs to be written off, but I'm telling you, our present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that's about to be revealed. I may not like what I'm going through, but I appreciate that God will produce something out of my present pain that's going to help me in my future. I may not like it, but I appreciate, I understand that God is producing something in me. You see, we don't talk about uh, God's discipline very much in church because we don't want to talk about something that seems negative. But the Bible says this, that when you are producing, what God does is He comes along if you're a tree and He cuts you back, not to punish you, but so that you can produce even more. 
And what happens in our life is we go through stuff and God does a bit of a prune back and we start to get upset with him. You've abandoned me. No, no, he's trying to give you a greater glory to come. He wants you to produce more, to have more, to see more. God is working in all things to bring about our good. And we can come out the other side of our difficulties if if we all feed our faith and starve our fears and understand that God is with us, that God is doing something, even though the situation might be bad, He is working for my good, then we can come out of the other side of it with a marriage that is stronger than we went into it. Our families will be closer than when we went into it. Our love is going to be deeper for one another than when we went into it. Our generosity is going to become greater and you're going to become bolder in sharing your faith and the light of the church will shine brighter. And the reality is, friend, is that the light of the church has shone brightly in this world more than it ever has before. See, the lockdown, the enemy thought it would shut the church down. All it did is just put the church online to reach thousands and thousands more people. And this year, just in our online services alone, we've seen over 12,000 people reached for our online services. We never would have done that if we weren't online. See, God always works all things together for good for those who love God and according, called according to His purpose. And our harvest is going to be bigger. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and He's going to do something phenomenal out of this year like you wouldn't believe. I'm positive in the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. And I'm not positive in my ability. I'm positive in His ability and His faithfulness. His word is always true. It's yes and it's amen. His presence never leaves us. He never, ever forsakes us. And so as we go through Romans, as I'm feeding my faith and understanding that I'm forgiven, that that my sins aren't with me because God has forgiven me, that if I keep my mind on the things of the Spirit, then I'll walk in His Spirit and I'll walk in those good things. And I understand that these present sufferings that I'm going through are nothing compared to the great stuff that God wants to do in my life. And then I understand how all things work together for good. Paul then leaps into this great scripture where he says this in verse 38, for I am convinced. That word convinced in the Greek means an unshakable assurance. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither COVID, neither lockdowns, neither the present nor the future, nor me losing my job, nor me going through a difficult time, nor a declaration over my life by a doctor of cancer, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so I understand, no matter where I go, my God is there with me. No matter what happens, my God is there for me. No matter what I do, my God is there for me. No matter what happens to me, my God is there for me because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not my sin, not my mistakes, not the difficult times, not lockdowns, not COVID, not disease, not doctor's reports. Nothing separates me from the love of God of God. And no matter where I go, He's always with me. And so that when you start to feed that into your spirit, it creates this unwavering expectation in you. You you just can't be shifted. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's an expectation, gives substance to our faith that we have this unwavering expectation that our loving God, who never leaves us, is working in every situation for our future good. We've got some problems, 
There's no denying that. But we have a bigger God. You may have some problems, but God is bigger than any problem. We have a bigger God to whom all things are possible. And I'm going to believe, I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe that our present struggles are not worth comparing to the future glory of what God is going to do in us and through us. So whenever I'm discouraged, whenever I'm weak, this is what I do. I go through this process where I get the word in me. Not just read it, but I want to get it in me. And I remind myself that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I remind myself that he's working all things for his good. I may not see him, but I know he's present because he never leaves me. And he is good. And when my enemy comes and means something for for evil, our God, the Bible promises, turns it into good. There's not a disease, not a sickness, not a fear that can separate us from the love of God. And once you have that attitude of faith, that God is still on the throne, and that he is still working, and that he can be in all of this with us, he's still for us, we stay positive, we fight the fight of faith as we watch clip three. You see in that last clip there, we see the Grinch that he was stuck. He was stuck in a season, stuck in a season of pain, stuck in a season of disappointment because of what he had gone through as a child and the trauma that he had faced, he had got himself stuck, stuck in the season that year after year, after year after year, he hated Christmas. He hated everything about it because of what he had gone through. He had got stuck in a season that he stayed in for many, many years. And the thing that I really felt God say strongly to me this week, or actually over the last two or three weeks, as I'm praying for you and as I'm thinking about you and me and everything that's gone on this year, is that, friend, I think some of us have got stuck. We got stuck in 2020. We got stuck in COVID. We've lost our faith spark. We just got caught up and stuck in what we've gone through this year and we're stuck in the season. In Mark chapter 11, there's a story about Jesus and it says this, it says, the next morning as they went to Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered that Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. And Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. You're like, what's that scripture got to do with being stuck in a season? I kind of look at this story and the way I've read it before and is that I see that this tree has got lots of leaves on it, so it may look like it's producing, but it's not the season to produce. It's not fig season. Jesus goes over and because it looks like it's producing, goes over there, gets angry that it's not producing, and so he curses it. 
And I think to myself, um, God, you like invented seasons and you invented and you created fig trees and you created them to produce in particular seasons. It seems very unfair that you'd curse a tree for not producing in a time when it's not meant to produce. That's the way I had always read that scripture. But I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I felt like he said to me this, he said, hey, this story is there. I wanna show you something different in this story. You see, Jesus, I believe, or the Holy Spirit shared with me is in this story is Jesus is saying, that fig tree might be limited by seasons, but I'm never limited by a season. I'm never limited by a season. God is not limited by seasons. God is not limited by situations. God is not limited by circumstances. So when he goes over to that tree, because he doesn't live with a negative mindset, because he doesn't live in a limited nature, he goes over and he expects the tree to be living not bound to seasons, but to produce because it looks like it's producing. And I felt God say so strongly to me that we are not meant to be limited by seasons either. That we're not meant to be stuck in the pain of our past. That we're not meant to be stuck in this year. That we're not meant to be stuck in our apathy. That we're not meant to be stuck in our lack of passion and vibrancy towards God, that we shouldn't allow this season to cause us to stop because Jesus, God is not restricted by season and you're created in the image of Him and you're not created to be stuck in seasons either. You're not created to be stuck in this season. We're not bound by seasons. And the key to getting out of a season that has crushed us, Jesus responded to them, have faith in God. Why? Because faith supersedes seasons. Faith is not limited by season. Have faith in God. Here's the problem for you and for me is we have faith in outcomes. We have faith in God while it looks like the outcome is going to be what it is. We actually don't have faith in God. We have faith in the outcome of what we've been praying for. We have faith when things look like it's going good, but Jesus never said, have faith in outcomes. He said, have faith in God. He said, have faith in God because I consider thy present sufferings nothing compared to the glory that's about to come. You see, when you have faith in a season or you have faith in a circumstance or you have faith in outcomes, when the season doesn't turn out the way that you wanted to, you'll get stuck in the season that faith always lifts us out of seasons and into the present glory that's coming. I really felt strongly in my heart that he said, have faith in a God. You can have faith and unwavering confidence that a very good, very involved, very loving God is working in every single situation in your life, right now, right now, to bring about a future good, all for His glory. Because that is how good our God is. All things work together for good for those who love God and accord 
according to His purpose. We are not meant to be stuck in a season. We are meant to have faith in God. And that scripture after it says, have faith in God, says this. If you command this mountain to be picked up and thrown to the sea, so it shall be. And whatever you ask for, if you believe for it in prayer, you shall have. Do you know that back in the Jewish days, that when the word mountain in scripture related to your thinking? I'm stuck in a season. I should be producing, but I'm not. I'm stuck in a season. Have faith in God and command that thinking that's in your way to be thrown into the sea. And have faith in God that whatever you believe for, it shall come to pass. Because you have an ever-present God, a loving God, a good God, that even in the midst of a bad situation is working for your future good. And we can trust in that. And we can hang our hat on that. And it stops us from being stuck in our season. Why don't we just all close our eyes just for a moment.